You are now listening to the Molten Fantasy Sports Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you are listening to us, this is the Molten Fantasy Sportcast. Before I hand over to my lovely mates and co-hosts, I must say, click subscribe. This is the best time to do it. Click subscribe. You do not want to miss any episodes between now and round one. And I tell you what, we are damn close. It is preseason game, and I am loving it. But I'm going to give a shout-out to my fellas who are sitting here in the studio with me. Uh, Mickey Dale, how are you, my friend? G'day, mate. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I am the co-owner, the founder of 2022 version of Mixed Pigs, also known as The Big Horse. How are we, boys? Very, very good. And Mr. Kanga himself, Justin Herbie, how are you? Very, very well, boys. Kanga, Kanga, Kanga. Roo, roo, roo. Clarko's disciples are here to drop some knowledge on you, you, you. Let's get it done, boys. I love it. I love it. I love it. And my name is Rob Kennedy. I am your host for the episodes that we go through. And like I said before, we're getting very close to round one. And there's nothing better than being able to go to work and stream a little bit of KO and see some, see some footy. I live in WA, so you, I, you guys might have finished work by the time they were streaming, but I was sitting at work, and I'm very close to installing a TV in my office because I'm that excited about this season. Oh, um, yeah, I think it's just going to have to be done. Like, I don't know if we're allowed to say occupation. Some of you might not be able to say your occupations on this podcast. I'm not sure, so I'll leave it to you. What is your work setup? Do you get much of a, do you get much TV there, or is it only when you get home? No TV time for me, unfortunately. It's all on the radio, and then once I get home. So uh, with this, you know, we get we get to have the fun part. We get to chew the fat about footy, go through stats. Um, this is awesome. But how good is it to see the first preseason game where teams are actually cracking in? You know, forming up as if they will round one, playing players in position, so there's no more messing around. Yeah, I think I think we saw another another level. From today's uh, mm. today's games, today's being Thursday. This is probably going to drop on Friday, so you might hear us say today and tomorrow. Uh, we're referring to Thursday's games, and then we've obviously got Fridays. But you can see a difference between this week and last week already. Yeah. I think we're starting to see probably a more solidified twenty-two. So I was very clear on looking at those best twenty-twos and where people are lining up. So that is what we are talking about in this episode today. We have all revealed our teams. If you haven't seen them, make sure you go back and have a little bit of a look. Uh, we'll talk about our Super Coach League probably midway through this episode. Make sure you join and sign up. We're getting lots of numbers and we're super excited about that. But today's episode is going to be about our watch list. And we're talking about the importance of this game and who, who are going to be the most important players to watch and who are the most getting talked about in teams. So do we just dive in? We're Hawthorne Collingwood. Is that where we're going to start? So Hawthorne Collingwood, I've got a bit of a list here, boys. I'm going to start with my list. They've kind of mixed up between cash cows, those those questionable players, those lock players, um, and then I'll open up to you guys and, and we'll have a look and, and see what you feel. So we're going to start with those that have sort of been talked about as, as cash cows, and the two that I'm going to bring up are McKenzie and Green, both on Hawthorne's list. Um, Herbie, have you? Uh, what's your input on those two players first or one? I'll, I'll, I'll let you kick us off, mate, and then we'll throw to the stat man himself. Well, what's McKenzie at? 180K, isn't he? So he's pretty cheap and he did pretty well today. Um, so against a pretty good midfield with the uh, with the pies there. So 
I think if he's looking that good, um, he matched it with Newcomb uh, in the middle there, did pretty well. So I think for that price, he's a yeah, I've got to get him in my side. I don't think he's in there yet, but I think he's a must-have. He, he yeah. didn't get picked last week, did he? And that, there was a lot of talk about why he wasn't in there and the niggles and things like that. And, and everybody wanted to have a look at him. Early pick for Hawks, obviously, this year. But, uh, mate, Mick, I know you watched this game because I was getting a lot of text messages from you. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people telling me that I shouldn't watch after the Hawks were down 13 nil to start this game. But they looked like they went all right. And I think McKenzie was clearly clearly a shining light. So maybe have a chat about what you saw of him as a player and then yeah. what you saw of him as a as a super coach prospect. Yeah, so from a player point of view, top 10 pick from last year, um, he was brilliant. Like he played a good combination of inside and outside mid today and just found the ball with ease. Um, it probably helped that they were structuring up a lot better this week and they had their formations around the ball with their inside mids and outside mid structures set up properly. And they're actually winning a bit of the um, the hit outs with uh, Ned Reeves and Lloyd Meek in there. Uh, neither of those Ruckman scored well. So from my point of view here, we don't look at them at all. But with Cam McKenzie, 24 touches, eight contested, one goal, um, and 99 super coach points for today's game uh, against a good midfield you know, your top, one of your top tier midfields in the comp in Collingwood. Um, and it looked like Collingwood were going to run away with it early. Like they were four goals up and Hawthorne made their way back into the game and could have easily won this game. So, uh, from a rookie point of view, from a cash cow point of view, um, he's, he's a definitely, he's screaming pick me. Uh, he's up there with Will Ashcroft after what I saw today. Talk to me about your boy. I know you've brought up Green before. Um, yeah. Or a country boy. And, yeah. Uh, have I, have I, mentioned, to... I might have mentioned in our first podcast that he's local Bendigo you lad. You did. He's, uh, he's old man. He's a, a local legend here, Sandhurst legend. Um, he looked good when he – like he presented well. And uh, when the guys hit him up, um, he's a good set shot on goal. I think he had three straight at one stage. Finished with, I think it was three goals, two um, – yeah, five marks, three goals. He did more than enough to cement himself, especially with Mitch Lewis out in the first couple of rounds with uh, Lewis going down with a knee. I will highlight this, though. He is bargain price, but once Mitch Lewis comes back, I do believe that he'll keep his spot, but he's going to be a slow burn on your bench. He's not going to make you, you know, your 80, 70, 80K per week. He might he might only get to 300,000, but if you're looking for job security, if you're looking for you know, just someone that's going to make you a bit of coin, uh, you could do a lot worse than Fergus Green. He was definitely that second or third tall option. And he looked good at his feet as well in the forward line. So um, he made Billy Frampton look really silly at times. Yeah, I got got no issue with picking some players early that you know – you're not going to keep them in for for a long streak. As we've Mm. talked about many a time, added trades this year. Added trade. So at some point you're gonna go, look, when do I when do I pull someone out, pull in another rookie, upgrade a mid price maniac to somebody that's already starting to show a little bit of promise. But you can take those kind of changes this year. You don't really have to wait for everybody to get to their full value. And I think you're right. He might be one of those players. I think Radicalia might be one of those players as well, that you just get him in now to get the cash that they're gonna get quickly. 
and then move up from there. So, yeah, yeah. Did what? What's your thoughts, Herbie? Do do any of those two players go into your side now? Or, yeah, or yeah, for sure. Them? I think Mackenzie's a lock. Um, also want to ask Sir Mick over there. Uh, just an observation from today's game. Who was playing the half-back role that Dacos played last year? Was it shared between Noble and Quina? Um, or so, yeah. yeah, that's a good question, mate. Dacos stayed in that role, and he was tagged by, is it, um, you know who he is, um, Robbie? Is it McDonald? Yeah, yeah no, no, no. He was uh, Finn McGuinness. Finn McGuinness. Finn McGuinness did a ripper role on him, like mm. locked him right down up until probably halfway through to three-quarters of the way through the third quarter when Dacos started to get off the leash. But just seeing that, as as great of a preseason as Nick Dacos, Nick, uh, Nick Dacos has had, it worries me. It's almost mm. like he's an Angus Brayshaw type of player where he can't shake a tag. So um, there's question marks for me now over that player. Like, I know he's still sitting at 50% because of all the rave and how good this player is, but... Given someone as inexperienced as Finn McGuinness going down and Finn played a ripper role and kicked a goal on him as well, um, that's concerning. Yeah, I reckon, um, yeah, it's definitely made that reason to sort of look at it and go, and Herbie, you brought this up when I revealed my team, and I know a lot of people have him sitting in their, in their, do, in their D2 spot, but, um, you know, maybe he can't hold that D2. Maybe he has to be a D3. Um, I still think of that 500K D3. And look, not every team has a tagger. I think McGuinness is going to play that tag role and he does it does it well. Um, I mean, what, Dacos still walked away with, with 75 points. It's not horrendous, but it's not what you want in your D2 position or at a 500K. Um, and once once word gets out that you maybe can't break a tag, it's uh, it gets out pretty quickly and, and people know that they can put somebody on there especially someone who's not a huge attacking asset. Like yeah. us giving up a Finn McGuinness to tag out Dacos, that's a win for like a Hawthorne massively. Mm-hmm. So, um, look, the other Dacos outshone him um, with 105 and, and looked yeah. pretty good. So I think there's a lot of people questioning and probably the million-dollar question that I might ask both of you to hold on. I won't get you to answer it now. We might ask it at the end. I'll try and remember is how much do you actually put into these preseason games and how much do you have to be very careful not to just be reactive to what goes on or, or too reactive that it comes yeah. back and bites you. But um, <laughs> we've skipped the run sheet. Justin, I work very hard on these run sheets. You've already brought up Nick Dacos, which wasn't meant to come up for about four <laughs> players' time, but it was a very good question, so I'll let it slide. Um, Warpole is an option. Warpole is an option. Now, Warpole was in my team. He was he was my mid-price maniac sitting next to um, Hopper in my team when I first decided to stack my midfield a little bit more. I got very nervous from game one and what kind of role that he was going to play. But uh, we'll start with you this time, Dell. He, he looked good. He looked good. 30 touches, 17 contested, and nine clearances. Looked far better today playing that role that he played not last year, the year before, where he won the Hawthorne Best and Fairest. Uh, with him as an inside mid, you had Will Day as well, um, playing as a sort of the quarterback as we, we call it in footy terms, which is that person behind the actual play that your inside mids get it out to for them to be able to use the ball. Will Day played that role really well as well. But when we're talking about Warple at 300K and having that sort of an influence on the game, like their 
Tom Mitchell-esque numbers when Mitchell was at the top of his game. That sort of, that stat line, 101's quite low. Like that could easily turn into 120 or 130. He's back on my radar now after seeing that. And yeah, I've, I've probably going to look for ways to try and get him in because at that price, when you're looking at Nick Dacos and he's priced at 200K more and he scored 30 something less, you know, you've got to ask yourself, well, what's going to give here? What do you reckon, Justin? No, I don't agree. Uh, I I would definitely feel more safe taking Dacos paying the extra 200K because I just think he's more class. Um, I know that, yeah, he did have his struggles today, but, yeah, let's not put too much into preseason games. It was a close game. I think if this game is played in the regular season, Collingwood win by 102 points instead of eight. Uh, sorry, Rob. So, yeah, I, look, I don't mind Warple, though, at that price. You could probably talk me into it. Um, but I'm very, very high, as you guys know, on Nick Dacos. So um, he's young. He he can obviously, if he played that role as well, um, off half back, hopefully they're just going to put him into the midfield. Mitchell, you know, he's got a lot of gun players with him in that midfield bracket who can like ease the tension a bit with him. So you've got Mitchell, Taylor Adams, um, yeah, Pendles can go in there, pinch hit. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't see it as a concern with, with Nick Dacos at all. Mark my words. Warple could be my difference to going against the grain of like a Tom Green. Yep. So where people have gone the Tom Green, where I feel I can make a bit of money back unless I give up on my – Unless I give up on my Whitfield um, kind of throw out and keep Tom Green, I could go against the grain and throw a Warpole in there. I think he's going to go in and play that role. I think he suits super coach. I think between him, Newcomb, and even having a look at Will Day, I really like what the Hawks are going to do, and I think they're really going to try and blood that group. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know yeah, I know you have a dig at Hawthorne, but I actually don't even rate. I don't rate Collingwood that highly. I know they had some freakish games, but you look at that list, I don't actually think it's that. There's nothing in there that really impresses me. There's nothing in there that really impresses me to be another Mate, top they were, four, top six, top eight side. you gotta, you got to remember this. They were leading the Cats at three-quarter time um, in the prelim final, and they looked like they were going to win that game. The Cats were oh, far and above. Yeah, the Cats were far and above the best team in the league last year. They probably will be this year as well. And Collingwood only got better this off-season as well. So all their additions actually complement them really well. So I think they're really well coached. Um, and, yeah, as much as What are as all their they, additions other than Tom Bobby, Mitchell? You got Bobby Hill. Uh, Bobby, who's Bobby that? Hill was hardly getting a game at a poor GWS. He will Bobby do Hill's well. Only relevant because, Bobby Hill's only relevant because he puts his name up on the trade trade. TV documentary on Netflix every weekend. The guy was struggling to get a game. That's that's at exactly when they were sitting Rob. down at the bottom four on the ladder. That's What's exactly Bobby Hill who done they in need. his career. Hill had six touches and one goal today. What has Bobby Hill done in his career it's to pre-season. say that is a massive inclusion into the Collingwood side? Bobby mm. Hill, Frampton, oh. uh, McStay. You don't think those those boys will make any difference in this side? No. We'll see. I think McStay is way too much like a my check. 
I, I think they've gone like for like a borderline half decent forward who is okay, brings out the best piece of talent they have in their body, puts it puts their body into it, is well overpaid, and they're also paying Grundy's half a Grundy salary while he's playing at the Demons right now. Like I, I don't think I don't see anything. I like watching them; they're exciting. You, but you talk about them actually pushing Geelong, great. When we talked about the Hawthorne dynasty, Hawthorne's three prelim games were all under a kick. They might have never have made any of those grand finals if the kick, if the ball spilt the other way. Prelims are always going to be tight and interesting. I just don't, I just don't rate them that highly. I think they're solid. Mm. I just don't think they're that good. But I, I could be wrong. That's all right. We will see. I just don't rate them. Let's see how the how everyone the talks about. Like, go. oh, you can't say Geelong and Collingwood. Who's going to finish higher? Like, I actually, I. Carlton, I mean, Carlton, I rate Carlton's list. I actually think Carlton's list is a way more damaging list than Collingwood's list, if you, if I'm being honest. When you look at the two-headed serpent that they have up forward, um, you can't go wrong. If those two stay fit with the midfield that Carlton have and Sam Walsh coming back. But you know Carlton's problem? I'll tell you Carlton's problem. They are Carlton. That's their problem. <laughs> we'll talk about Carlton when we get to it. Yeah, we'll get there. Sorry, we push on. Let's go into some super coach numbers now. So, um, Mitchell's role. What did everyone think about Tommy Mitchell's role? Yeah, he looked good. What was it? 28 touches today? Back to his old self. So, if Dacos is is kind of in that back role, half back role, um, and then Mitchell's taking the load of it, um, I think with Dugowie, Dugowie played a lot in the midfield too as well, didn't he, Mick? Um, then, yeah, hopefully he can build off this, get a bit of confidence with his new side and, and go forward. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I didn't rate it highly, but he did okay. Um, I found a lot of his possessions to be rushed and quite <clears throat> he was quite fumbly with the pill. Uh, I mean, he was winning it inside enough, but... I'm glad you brought up Jordan Dugowie. You might be able to tell me how much he's worth, Justin, but he had 31 touches and 13 inside 50s and could easily have scored two goals as well on the run that he missed. So, um, 468K, Mick. How much, sorry? 468K. It's a bit high, isn't it? That, that what is easy. What, what are they giving position-wise? Um, midfield. Mid- is, it, is it only midfield? Yeah. After watching him today, he he is still their X factor. Like I know people talk about Dacos or the Dacos brothers, and they talk about Pendlebury and even um, Jack Crisp. I'm I'm not sure what Crisp numbers are like, uh, as in what his price is like. But Jordan Dugowie has the ability to turn a game on its head. And when we're talking about Super Coach, his possessions count. Like he's always either kicking it long, kicking goals, taking grabs tackles, winning free kicks because people are hanging off him. They're all big super coach point scorer options. So at 460K, that might be a good shout for someone to go, hey, I've got nuts the size of Arkansas. Let's put him in, you know. So well, you got, personally, you got Chris, I won't because... Chris at 520K, Mick? Yep. So that's something yeah, I, to consider. Yeah, I like Chris, but I think he's only midfield again this year. So um, the fact that he's lost out on his defensive um, ability to go back in our super coach sides, I think kills Chris because he doesn't score those big end scores. He's very consistent. And if you're looking for consistency, you could do a lot worse than Chris. 
But when you're looking at the scores of 120, 130, 140, rarely does he generate that. Oh, oh, mate, I love the Degary shout. He's their best player by a country mile. He is their most important player. He is there. He's 100% there. He's kind of like um, it's like the package at Essendon, but just better. He's just he's he's better. He's starting to show that he's more consistent, especially in that midfield position. You kind of forget about Dugowie in a strange way, which you shouldn't, because he's definitely the X factor. But you're right. He, if he does continue to get more of that midfield time, he's he shows when he's in there. He puts up he puts up big numbers. Mm-hmm. I think for me, and, and I talked about that Whitfield pick. The thing I love about the Whitfield pick around the same kind of price is I actually think Dugowie will average more than Whitfield. Mm-hmm. But I know that come round six, I'm a good chance to put Whitfield back into that back line yep. when he gets defensive mid, um, and I don't have to make massive changes for that to happen, <clears throat> and I'll still get the numbers that I want from Whitfield. But, yeah, I don't mind the Degoe shout at all. It's it's uh, it's not a bad call. It's, and, it's a ballsy yeah. shout. That's what that is. I think... Uh, yeah, but these, are the, but these are the players we've got to look at to go when he is getting more midfield time. And if he does, he puts these kind of numbers up. And actually, if you go and look at the games where he does get that midfield time regularly, he puts those numbers up regularly and consistently. Yeah, It's just we all know he's a bit of a party boy and a bit nuts and we're probably a bit worried what he's going to yeah, do. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm just worried about his consistency. Uh, like I have a bit of a punt and I've been on Dugowie 20 disposals quite a lot and uh, he just goes missing for me. Whenever I'm on it, he's just, he's just nowhere. I'm like... But when he gets it, it's it's like he does so much with it that you really notice, right? So he breaks tackles, kicks the ball long, you know, shrugs a tackle, takes on three, kicks it, kicks it from sixty. You know, like he's he's a highlight highlight feature. He's just um, for me, he's too inconsistent, and I'd be I'd be too scared. I might just run through a few other numbers from this game before we move on to our next. I would, if you do, please do. But the one, the the one last player I wanted you to have a look at and get yeah. a, a get a feel from was um, Darcy Cameron, the ruck time there and yeah, what like that sort so, of looked like. But yeah, run off some numbers and then make sure we throw him in as well. And yeah, good to move on. He was pretty good today. His ruck work was good, mind you. Against some more inexperienced players in uh, Lloyd Meek and Ned Reeves, uh, he did score ninety seven. He had ten kicks, four marks. My concern is that Cox was in there a lot. Um, and we'll get into whether you guys believe that preseason games are um, worthy of recognition or not later on in the episode, but this is a big red flag for me. Like it could have nearly been 50-50 by the end of the game that they actually shared the duties in there. So while he looked good, 97 is probably the absolute peak of where he's going to score if that time that they, they spend himself and Cox in as Ruck continues on moving forward into the um, season proper. Mick, where was, where was Cameron uh, going with the ball? So was, was Cox going forward in, or yes. was Cox going back? Or like how did it Cox, work Cox with them too? Forward. Okay. Yeah, Cox, yeah, Cox went forward. Yeah, and Darcy was a little bit behind the ball. And then, like, I quite like his aggression at the pill. And he's like a, a bigger on baller once the ball hits the deck. He's quite good below his knees. But it was just the time that he spent in the middle is a concern for me. Yeah, it's he's a big stay away from me this year. I know he's in a lot of teams and he's highly rated. Um, I just think that there's better value elsewhere, to be honest. So... For me, yeah, he's a he's a big stay away. That one of those things is like 
oh, is he the main guy or whatever? But I, I don't trust him. Like, I, I just – he hasn't had a real body of work in the ruck um, like your Grundies, like your Tim Englishes, um, like your Sean Darcy's, you know, like – he doesn't have the body of work. Um, he might yep. be that main ruck, but I think the the Pies just signed a uh, another rookie ruckman about a month ago or so. So they're obviously, you know, just wanting a backup just in case someone goes down. But yep. yeah, for me, he's a he's a clear stay away. Yeah. Um, just a few more before we move on to the next game, Robbie. Uh, John Newcomb scored 92, 27 touches, nine contested, seven clearances. He's clearly the number one bull at Hawthorne, but if you're talking about peak numbers and at his price, he's a stay away from me. Uh, we've got James Sicily, 96. He scored 22 touches, 10 marks. And as I thought, he he went to Dan McStay and stayed with McStay a lot, and McStay was leading away from the pill. Um, and trying to drag Sicily away from the ball. So as we've touched on in previous episodes where we thought Sicily might get tagged, he wasn't tagged this game, but Collingwood were employing a method that they were using one of their second or third forwards to lead away from the pill to try and drag um, Sicily away. And the two times I did see where Sicily tried to drop off McStay, the ball went to McStay and McStay gold. So... Um, that's tricky, that. Um, Dylan Moore, 70, 15 touches, two goals. He was rested uh, towards the back end of the game. Again, like last year, a lot of those points were in the first half, but did go quiet. Uh, Will Day, <clears throat> 88 touches. Uh, sorry, 88 points. 88 touches is a lot. Uh, 20 touches, that's nine contested. To the ball well. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he was unbelievable by the sounds of that. Um, a rookie option, Henry Hustwaite, uh, seven touches, three marks, scored 34. Uh, don't touch him. Wait till mid-season where there's some injuries or he has a good body of work in the twos and comes up. Uh, he looked a little bit out of his depth today. Um, and Lloyd Meek, we touched on him earlier. He scored 66, 15 hitouts, one goal. Uh, too much of a risk when you're talking about him and Ned Reeves. When they were resting, they were both playing forward. They both kicked a goal, but it looked pretty awkward up there alongside Kaczynski, Fergus Green, and these guys. So with your Hawthorne rucks, stay away. Beautiful. All right, we move on. We move on. Good chat. Good chat. We thought this might be a 25-minute episode. We've kind of done one game. We're at 26. Look at us go. Um Fremantle and Port Adelaide. So having a look at our sort of people to watch for a bit of cash, who did I have listed? I had uh, Johnson and – well, I had Hamling as well, but Hamling didn't play. Johnson, Hamling and, and Tickle are the three that I had. Who wants to who wants to jump in? Mick, you can go, go first, first, Justin, yeah. Uh, you go first, Mick. Uh, Tickle did next to bugger all. Disappointed in my boy. Uh from what I saw, he won't be playing round one, so you can scratch him off. Uh, Hamlin didn't play. Johnson came on in the last quarter. He will start the year in the twos. It looked as though Fremantle were starting with their best 22 today with their rotations and the way they were playing. They look slick. Uh, with five up forward two, they look, they look really strong through, uh, in footy terms, it's called the spine, so through the middle of the ground. 
and with him alongside uh, Tabena and these sorts of guys, uh, they look really strong aerially up forward. Uh, a big team to watch this year. How did the uh, the man who shall not be named go? I thought he was pretty ordinary. I've seen him. Uh, uh, France had 21 touches, uh, six frees against, and six tackles. Yeah, he scored 80, 81, um, which is kind of like his North Melbourne days. You know, he, he does a lot of good things. He does some things where you think, geez, this bloke's two bolts short of a toolbox. So you just, yeah, he's just one you stay away from. We've, we've mentioned this in earlier episodes where we always thought that he wasn't getting enough love at North Melbourne. He went to Port Adelaide. They want to try and blow up his bubble to make him feel good about himself again, and he's effectively the same player here. Yeah, I agree. I think he's done good things. Like, I'm, I've uh, sneaked into the big footy Port Adelaide board uh, once or twice in the last couple of weeks, and they're re- they're putting, uh, you know, photos of Jason Horn Francis on Jesus photos and everything, like like us North people were doing this time last year. Um, but I, look, I, I saw the practice game last week where he did pretty well. Um, he's just he's got the surgery on, on both knees, so um, people were worried about his acceleration, but that's always going to be there and stay there. Um, and he did, you know, a couple of good things. Uh, he's got really good, yeah, still acceleration and, and vision, um, and he just, you know, does highlights. He's a highlights package as well, so. Um, but he also, it's just those bad things that he does um, that really put me off him at North, and he was really, really inconsistent. Um, his tackle count always, like, started really high and then just kept coming down and down and down. So um, it'll be interesting to see, yeah, how he goes with effort, um, especially at the start of the year and, and just, yeah, if he if he's cuddled enough to go go well or, or what, what he'll do. It'll be very interesting. Yeah. The other one I had, I've got a couple more listed, but um, the next one I wanted to talk about was the Zach Butters first hit out. Mm. What did we see from Zach Butters? Wasn't R- too much rusty. from what I saw, but yeah, rusty. He needed the mm. blowout. Scored yep. sixty. Uh, where are we? Sixteen touches, five marks, one three four two frees against. It was. The Zach Butters where he was going in head first, like we know him to be, but without the polish. So yeah. that, that'll come with games. But to start off with, he's had one fair hit out. He's going to have a week off straight into round one. I think his price is going to drop, and that's when we, we try and snatch him up in rounds four, five, and six. Yep. Yeah, I'm curious no, what I, I, Bergman I is uh, priced at. In Supercoach. He was really good today, but yeah. from... Years gone by, he was pretty inconsistent. But he looked, he looked a class above today for Port Adelaide. His ball use was exceptional. So he's at 374K. Um, yeah. His 2022 average in 10 games was 68.1. And then the year before in 21 games was 55.5. But Port mm-hmm. fans really, really rate him. Um, he was talked yeah. about in the Horn Francis trade if he was potentially coming to North. So I started mm. researching him and looking into him a little bit. Um, so, yeah, he had a ripper game today. So let's just see how he goes. But he could be – just want to see his position if he's 
can't see here, but oh, he's just he's, he's only, just, he's only he's just midfield. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, probably at that price, just midfield. It's a it's it's a stay away. Yeah. Look, I think for Port Adelaide, the only one that really impressed me today was Connor Rosie. Mm. He was mm. exceptional playing through the midfield. He's he's polish. He's touched like he was spearing the ball 55, 60 metres, hitting people lace out. Like, he, he yeah. has taken that next step from what we saw today. His value's definitely risen. I think people feel a lot more comfortable with him in the team, yeah. which is nice. I think he's just showing what he's done. Again, I think he's he's starting to show that he's kind of that that uh, that nice piece above, like, the Ollie Wines and things like that. Ollie Wines, Ollie Wines a 94 dream team and only 70 in super coach. I still think he's a he's not a bad choice. Um for someone to get a little bit of a POD with with what we know, the you know, Brownlow medalist a couple of years ago, so you, you couldn't go too wrong. Jones just didn't get the time that he thought of people were going to be looking out for as well. But I'm going to I'm going to direct my next question to uh, to Herbie. So there was a lot of talk about uh, Scott Lysett, and we've talked about him a lot with Tickle and and being quite a quality ruckman and all those types of things, but. He went up against one big Sean Darcy today, who uh, you're not a huge fan of. But um, did you check out the stats today, mate? Having a look at them now. <laughs> How did he go? I'll help. I'll, did he I'll struggle? Help you out, mate. So, did he score? I'll help did he you score out. at so, all? So Scott, Scott, Scott Lysett had eight disposals and 19 hitouts for a super coach score of 36. Sean Darcy on the other hand, had 14 disposals, four marks, eight tackles, 38 hitouts, and a super coach score of 127. That's a really big score, uh, and I'm very, very impressed. So uh, do you want to just enlighten me how Luke Jackson went today? Luke Jackson, who will be playing as the second tall forward for the Fremantle Dockers, but, did not play today. Oh, he didn't. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense then. Thank you. Thanks for I that. I feel very, very confident that Sean Darcy will still put up these strong numbers. He is their number one ruck. Luke Jackson is not even anywhere close to his prime yet. They have made a move for the future, which if I'm choosing Luke Jackson over Rory Lobb and what I've seen him speaking of the other documentary that's been on Netflix at the moment as well, or whatever it's on, um, I think it's one of the greatest moves that Fremantle have ever made because Sean Darcy's their man. Sean Darcy is their ruckman. Can I just 100%. say something before we continue on, Justin? That uh, Tracy probably rucked 30% of the game anyway today, and Darcy had his spell out of the ruck. Tracy's not going to play if Jackson's down there, and Tracy still scored his 91, 92 points which is about what I expect Jackson to average. Maybe a little bit more because Jackson's got a little bit more polish and he's a lot better around his knees or below his knees, sorry. But Darcy just ragdolled Lysett. Uh, it, it looked like a 16-year-old boy playing against an under-10s kid. Well, that's why we have these discussion, boys, because I'm definitely not that high on this guy. Um, I think he's a big boy as well, uh, injury-prone. So uh, for me, he's a huge stay away. but. For all, for all purposes, you boys make as much money as you want on him. I'll be on the Tim English I've train. Actually, I've actually got 
wit sitting in my R1 anyway. But I tell you what, I'm big. I'm big Sean Darcy fan. And that Tracy that you talk about, we he's a, he's a man child. He, he's only like 19 years old. He's he's got a bright future. They've mm-hmm. picked him up as a key position forward for later on in life. Uh, it's good to see Tabernar sort of back in the side, kicking a couple of goals. Um, you know, Fife showing that he can kick goals. He's going to be he's going to be kicking goals. I still think he's a little bit of a risk of a pickup, but his price is pretty good. He's showing that. Uh, yeah, I think the big sleeper for for the Fremantle Dockers is, and for Super Coaches out there, if we're, we're talking about like the Jordan Degoe's different player, but that player that maybe no one's talking about is is Will Brody. I think Will Brody has shown since coming across. Um, what he did last year to now sort of match it again this year. He's just an absolute beast in clearances. He knows how to get the footy. Yeah. 36 touches and six tackles today, 117 points, and could have been a lot more. Like, he was still a bit fumbly with the ball at times. So you, you put that match simulation into moving forward, that could be a 140-150 game just there. So His disposal's not fantastic. I think anybody who follows Freo or watches along, his kick's not amazing. <laughs> But he yeah. just, he, like Warple, he just knows how to get it. Just knows how to get it. I, mm. lo- I, I love watching him play. And uh, so you'd be happy with Liam Henry then, scoring 72 super coach points today. Was he predominantly on the wing or, and was Ace on the yeah, other wing? I heard he was on the, yep. yeah, I heard he was on the wing. I heard he was a little bit lost still. I heard he had a last, a really good last quarter. But again, like we've talked about with his price, um, you know, 75, he's, Price to to get thirty two is mm. what I need from him, something like that. So to see him at least be up on the wing, getting the ball, getting the confidence to to play his game um, again, still young, working out his craft. But if they put a bit of trust in him with the players around him, I I still got him sitting there. I think at two hundred k, if I see him lining up on the wing again, my insider at Frio said this was the twenty two to look at, and it's probably going to start to show where they're going to play him. And yeah, I thought Frio looked. Looked pretty strong in this game, so therefore that puts yeah, him in good stead. They did, and you you got to look at it. He's at two hundred k, so he's basically a rookie. He still got the ball sixteen times, had eight marks, seventy five super coach points, and he had a quiet game. Like he did look a little lost at the start, but sort of worked his way into the game towards the end. There's going to be a lot more players out there that make a lot less money than this guy, and he's fast. He was out the back a couple of times and. He was creating space like you wouldn't believe. So on those big spaces, the big wings in Perth, uh, expect to see him do pretty well. I, I don't mind him. Uh, I like that he's got X factor and, and class and speed. I just worry about his tank. That's the only thing I'd be worried about with him. Okay. I will ask. I'll find out. I'll find out what his 3K is like. I'll see what's going on. Um, we move on, guys. Um, do we want to give a shout out? Um, anyone sitting there? I should. I should be the one that does have this. Does anyone have the our uh, Super Coach League code on them there, or any other shout outs that we want to give? We're a little bit. We're about two thirds of the way through our episode right now. Um, who's got the code? I'll find it. You'll find it. We're going to give a massive shout out. This is another chance to click subscribe. We've been inundated with the number of downloaded episodes, both on our show, the NRL show that we do with with Nathan Matt, who do a fantastic yep. job. Justin dropped on our last episode. We've got Matty Garrett coming on board as we expand the Molten Fantasy Sports podcast out into the NBA, which is coming down at crunch time getting into the playoffs. I mean, 
I've got the uh, I know I know the uh, the LA Pride is coming back from me. I pretty much jumped off ship at the start of the season when I saw the roster, but finally actually putting a roster together to be proud of. I'm yeah, the Kings, mate. Kings are thriving for like those it. that are watching on YouTube. You can see Justin wearing his singlet, like the beam. Um, yeah, it's 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 yeah. a really really good 30. NBA season. So we're excited to bring you guys some more content. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure you follow us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, every medium possible to jump on board. It's been an absolute pleasure. Mickey Dell, what's that code for everyone to join up into the, our Super Coach League? The code, guys, is 237113. I repeat, 237113. Two, <laughs> I'm not sure whether I got it right the first time, so I'll go again. 237113. Get on board. We do. We are able to confirm now that the winner of our uh, Molten Fantasy pod this year will receive a... Uh, Supercoach ring, which is similar to that that NBA superstars get when they win win the championship, to what su- you get at the Super Bowl when you win that. Very similar in size. They look ripping. I'd love one to have at home. So if you think you've got what it takes to beat us three and the 80-odd that are already in the league, jump on board, try your luck, and uh, let's see how it goes. Hey, I- I'm going no, to put something good. into this. I'm that confident that uh, no one, whoever whoever comes into this league will not beat me. I'll put a bottle of rum on it if someone beats me. Wow. From this league. You've heard it here first. Justin's going to put up a bottle of rum to, uh, to whoever wins if you don't win. Just Pretty quietly, much, this yeah. is a guy that doesn't have Rowan Marshall in one of his rock spots, guys. So yeah, that's jump it. on board, everybody. Jump it can be board. rum. It can be vodka. It can be whatever you drink. It can be it can be Evian water, whatever your choice is, under a hundred dollars. <laughs> it's yours if you beat me. I really so as hope- we heard, guys, two, three, seven, one, one, three. Jump in for your chance to win your own super coach ring and a bottle of rum, bottle of vodka, which will be supplied to you by our own Herbert. Do you, know, do you know what I love about this is he clearly hasn't had a look at how many people already in our league. Like, mate, there's quite a few people there. You're nah, they, quite a few these, bottles of rum. These, are, these are the terms and conditions. If if I don't win it, someone else wins it, then that, that, that goes to the that winner. I'm not paying, uh, okay, I'm not paying 99 people a bottle of rum. Jeez. I'm pretty sure. But I'm glad you said that because I've I definitely heard that as anyone who beats him and gets yeah. ahead of him. We'll just make it for the winner. That'll do. That's for the All winner. Right. So right, I'll be beautiful. gifting we it to press myself. On, guys. We press on. We press on. It's been good banter. I like it. We've got one more game that I want to get into. We've got to wrap this up. Um, Brisbane versus Geelong. Let's start mm-hmm. with the Cashies. McKenna, Wilmont, Sharp. Ashcroft are the ones that I've got on my watch list. Um, what did we get from them, boys? McKenna, ordinary. He had 14 touches, 53 super coach points. I think he plays, but he looked rushed. Not what he looked like two or three years ago. He's still got a little way to go. Uh, Wilmot, 53 points as well, nine touches, uh, two tackles. He looked okay, like even though he had a little bit less than McKenna. But his defensive work was a lot better from watching the game. So from my point of view, I think Wilmot's got more of a chance at starting at halfback than what McKenna does. But we'll see 
uh, come round one. Sharp, three touches, did not much. Uh, who else do you have, Robbie? And then, mate, the absolute gun himself, Ashcroft, he's just an absolute weapon. Wow. Against a good Geelong midfield, 26 touches, five marks, two frees, four, three tackles. Yeah, unbelievable. 96 points. The father-son strikes again. It's, uh, Which, it's one I of those things, isn't it? I do want to bring it? up, just before we move on from the Brisbane Lions, we said in prior podcasts that if you don't have Dunkley, that you're probably better off playing um, netball super coach or whatever might else be going on. <laughs> 143 points. He was unbelievable today. McCluggage was good at 134. How much is McCluggage, Justin? Do you know off the top of your head? It's got 570k with a zero percent pick. Wow, that could be a good pod. 134 points. Mm. The thing is, too, yeah, with Brizzy, I was just going to say, with Dunkley scoring that many points, he scored no goals as well. That's right. He's usually good for one or two a game. Mm -hmm. Um, Andrews, Harry Andrews, 130, 23. I don't want our viewers to look at these scores and think, wow, Harrison Andrews and Jackson Payne, I think his name is, scored well for their two key backs. They had no Hawkins. They had no Cameron. They were playing with Sam Simpson. They were playing with De Koning. They were playing with next to no key forwards. They left Radigalia down back, and he played quite well down back. When you're talking about key backs, people who are not generally good users of the ball, like Andrews, yeah, he intercepts sometimes, but he's a bit of a roller coaster when it comes to scores as well. I wouldn't pay any attention to their scores today. Gee, I reckon Brisbane is looking like prime to break out this year. I don't know about you boys, they, but they were I fast. yeah, they're, they're just they were their fast. side is so stacked. Like they've got a really deep side. The additions yeah. of obviously Ashcroft, Dunkley, Gunston brings some stability up there forward as well. Um, I look, I rip on the Hawks a lot, but Gunston is a gun. He is just a such a he's such a smart player who knows how to use his body well, um, and he never misses. He just never misses a goal. Um, he kicks but, one goal three today. Well, when it's prime, <laughs> wait, when it's prime time, hey, when it matters. Yeah. He doesn't miss. Yeah. No, you're spot on. You're right. spot on. You're spot on. I used to hate when everybody said that about Bruce. Bruce went through that period where he did miss a goal, and then they're just like, he's a lock. And every time they said it, it was like the commentator's curse. But you're right. <laughs> hey, Gunson is a gun. Excuse the pun. But it's like um, you forget. You don't win three premierships in a row without players like that that just do their thing. And, yeah. and I kind of loved watching them play last year. It showed actually how good – Jack Gunston and Luke Bruce are. Like, mm -hmm. even in a weaker side, when they played, they still score goals. They're still a threat. And to think, to think that they were playing in a side with Ruffhead and um, Buddy Franklin up there as well, I mean, it just actually puts in perspective how good that team was. It's just, and Cyril Rioli, like, yep. like, what a forward line. Like, unbelievable. Sorry. And I will live vicariously in the past because I'm not going to have too much to celebrate for the next few years. So I'll hold on to it as long as I can. But, like, in true footy sense, when you talk about how good those players are and they were, like, the fourth and fifth best forward in that team, it's it's pretty phenomenal when you think about it. Let's have a look at Geelong. 
Um, yeah, I just want to ask. Have a look I want to ask Mick a, a yeah, question go. or two. Is that okay? Um, just a quick one, Mick. Tanner Bruin, do you think he will play yeah. round one? And another question yes. that I have for you for this game yeah. is that half back line for the Brizzy Lions that is under the pump a lot with who's going to play there. Um, you got Cam Rayner, who I saw he didn't do too well today. Connor McKenna, um, I think was there as well. Um, yep. and then who was the last player? Wilmot. Was he there or was he rotating kind of a wing as well? Because by all three they did all it really score well. Yep, okay. they all played half back and they all, all struggled. Yeah. Eddie Coleman actually worked pretty, pretty all right. Coleman's always been good. He, he uses the ball well. They actually had Coleman playing on a high half forward tonight. He looked he looked pretty good in that role, but uh, for Coleman to be a serious super coach scorer, he needs to play off half back. Yep. Brune, is he playing round one? Your, beg your pardon? Brune, is 100%. he playing round one? Oh, 100%. I'm looking for ways to get him in my team now. What, what's he priced at? 300? I don't have him here. Yeah, I, I think he is. I, I had a look about. I had a look last week to try and get him in my side. Um, he has. It's, it's, yeah. I'm not even lying. It's starting to look like a bit of a weird tactic for me, and I just want to have a look at how it looks. But we, we were talking before when you guys started getting stuck into the Collingwood game. I literally had in this screen down here. People, if we're watching on YouTube, would have seen my face light up a little bit. I started actually playing with that. what I could do with pricings. Yeah, mate, this is this is what we talk about. We start playing with pricings about what we can do. If I drop Tom Green. Bring in James Warpool. Um, that allows me to then start looking at um, Dawson or a um, or a Tom Stewart instead of instead of Nick Dacos. Um, it allows me to start looking at the idea of stacking my midfield by you know Oscar Baker or or Drury and changing them to a Cam McKenzie. What does that sort of look like in the balance of the team? Things like that. Um, but I do want to be careful that I don't let some of these games. But like your Bruins. I'm really looking at maybe that midfield being stacked with a few mid-price maniacs, and it could be the absolute death of me. But right, I, think I want to play a game a here, boys. Teams, Can I play a game? Yeah. I want. I know Bruins price. Okay. I know Bruins price. Okay. What's the game? Sorry. I know Bruins price. All right. Okay. I want you guys to to guess it, and we'll see how close okay. you guys get. Three thirty-one. Average- Three thirty-one. I'd yep. say three ten, three hundred, three ten. Mick, three hundred and eleven thousand and four hundred. Oh, beauty! Yeah, right. That's a ripper. He's um, he's looking. Who would you? Every, he's looking every bit of someone that's going to make you two hundred k within the first couple of weeks. Uh within sorry, so. Your price increases don't come about until after three games. If he could continue scoring the way he is and averages what he does, he's going to make you 200K after round six, round seven. And that's... So, so to make sure with everybody understands what, what Mick's saying there, though, is that's when you want to make sure that you buy the Super Coach Plus. And after two games, you want to be looking at their break-even score because that's going to give you a very clear indicator that after that third round, what does that score look like? And that's no different to people being smart as well 
and not rushing on just it's not fantasy. If you see a rookie get picked, you don't have to bring that person straight away in because their price ain't changing. Yep. Wait to see that break-even component for when it's the right time. No different to having a look at the players that you already have in your team on who's the player to trade out. If that break-even pushes up to 140, 150, that's the time. It's, it's nearly like you're looking at shares, guys. When is the right time to sell? When is the right time to buy? Plays a huge component in this game. I can't stress enough getting that super coach plus. Mick, or I think you've really like, overrated Subscribe him. to us. We will give you all of the details. Send us questions. Absolutely. We will go through this week by week and give you guys at home all the stats you need to know, all the break-evens, and we can fill you in on all this. Sort we of will, and and we will get into some consistency. We'll start to let you guys know what our schedule is going to be. We're gonna when we get close to the season proper, so the week leading into round one, that's when we'll start actually naming our episodes: episode one, episode two, episode three. We'll let you know there will always be a a team selection. Uh, episode where we talk about the break-evens and things like that. We will always do a wrap-up of the weekends, and then we might even now and then, if we do get the time, throw in some some news and some updates and some special episode in there. But be aware, those two key episodes will stay every time to get you prepared for making your selections that need to be. Your VCs, your loopholes, your captains, that's what we're here for. But this is exactly what. And, Justin, instead of just playing the guessing game of the price, let's answer the question then that people might be asking themselves at home. There's two clear players that we've talked about now around the exact same price. One is 309, one 311 that we feel confident are going to be in the midfields for both their teams. If you had to pick one, are you picking Bruin or are you picking Warple? One word answer. Warple. Warple. Okay, good. I'm not confident. And that's for everyone to go and have a look at. But we're confident both will be there round one. But, um, yeah, make sure you have I'm a look not. at those things. I think it's I think it's a really good answer. Mate, Mick, I just want to say this. You you cannot yeah, say yeah. that comment that he's going to go up to 500K when I look at the 500K players. You've got Taranto, Chera, uh, Amon, Rosie, Simkins, Sarong. Like, I don't see Brun in nowhere near that class. How much of the game did you watch tonight? <laughs> I watched zero of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, when he's, but when he's doing this against Lockie Neal, Dunkley, McCluggage, Rayner, Bailey, um, Segler and Stanley were smashed by McInerney, he, he's got promise to be a really, really good player. If, if I told you, if I told you he only had to average 83 in the first three rounds to jump up 450K. Wow. So he jumps up to 450 if he averages 83. If he's no. playing full-time in that midfield, he could average 83 very easily. That's a huge stay away from me. Okay. I'm going to bring him in. Do it. But what? that's There's the money. same. The number I'm using, the number, just so that you guys are aware, the number I'm using on that is I've got the number on Warpool and they're literally 2,000 yes. different. So I'm assuming it's the exact same thing. Yeah. If they're averaging eighty three, they jump up. They jump up one hundred and fifty k in those first five rounds. Yeah. Yep. Before yeah. we do finish our episode, there was a question that you asked earlier about mm. how much of a uh, or how serious do teams take this preseason and the preseason games? Uh, Robbie, first, what do you think? 
how serious the teams take it, or my question was how serious do I take these these points? But I'll answer both. Yeah, uh, I think this round here they're getting very close to picking their best twenty-two. I think teams that you do have to be aware of are teams like a Geelong, who all year will be rotating their players because they are older and they're in a premiership window. Hence, Bowers was kind of out this week. They wanted to have a look at somebody else and things like that. So I'm always a bit wary of those premiership contending teams, but uh, I think. Your Hawthorns and your others, you're really starting to see the, the the players are fighting for their spots. So I take it seriously. I just don't want to panic. I think you need to make sure you have a look at who wasn't playing because that's a very big difference between getting 75% CBAs or centre bounce attendees mm-hmm. compared to a 50%, and that makes a big difference to some people's scoring capacities. Justin? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I watched the full North game last week, and I think they took it very seriously. Uh, it was Clarko's first game, and I actually had a mate who was uh, on the sidelines. He was really he was two meters away from Clarko the whole game, and he reckons Clarko's face was as red as a tomato because he was going crazy the whole game, barking instructions. Um, but he was having a good time, and yeah, they they did well. So uh, I'm with Rob. I think that the contenders, obviously, like Geelong, um, you know, Brisbane to a point, um, those type of teams, yeah, can take a backward step. But you know, you know, things are getting real when you can put money on a game, and that's what's happening mm-hmm. this weekend. So things are starting to heat up. So. Yeah, I think what you see this weekend is pretty much 90 to 95% the finished product for most teams. Yeah, and for me, after watching today's games, it, it was on. The Hawthorne-Collingwood game, that felt like round one, the way that they were smacking into each other, the way that they were structuring up. Hawthorne were actually doing it by the way that they would usually go about it, and there was less messing around with them today. I think last week for them was a lot of trial and error. This week they went back to what they knew worked for them. Uh, the Fremantle-Port Adelaide game, uh, I, I sent you a message, Robbie. They were play- Both teams were playing with a high half forward, which means basically they're playing with an extra on-baller. So if you're looking at the way the teams are named um, and their structures, both teams were using one of their forwards up around the ball to play as an extra on-baller, which means there's more space in the forward line for your Fifes, for your Taberners, and then down the other end for your Dixons, your Georgiades, these types of players. That's why Fife, like he kicked three goals and, and let a few off or gave a few off as well, which might be in another pot episode before we start round one. And then the Brisbane-Geelong game, I know it's only a preseason game, but it felt like a statement from Brisbane to go, we know you won it last year. We've picked up Dunkley. We've replaced McStay with Gunston. We've got some extra run. And, geez, we're going to just run teams off the park because they looked unbelievably good. Ah, spot on. And before we sign out, guys, I do want to ask one last question. It'll be obviously this episode will be dropped on a Friday. So the games that are happening as we speak and may have even already finished by the time that this gets dropped, I just want you to answer one player in each of the games. I'll go through each one and you can just answer the one as we start. So one player that you're wanting to watch, you don't even have to say why unless it's a really quick sentence. St Kilda, Essendon, Dell, who's the one player you're watching in that game? Win Hager. 
Herbie. Zach Merritt. Uh, we go to Sydney Carlton. Dell. I'm looking at how much time McAndrew gets in the ruck. Ooh. Yeah, I'm looking at Goulden and if he attends as many center bounces this week as he did last. I really like those two answers. Very good, boys. Very, very good. I like that a lot. And the last one is West Coast Adelaide. Del? Ask me after Justin. Justin. <laughs> Oscar Allen. Uh, I want to see how he goes. He's uh, he's had a bit of interrupted preseason, I think. And um, But if he's fit and firing, um, I think he's... He's a lock. There's two for me. Last week, Adelaide went to Dawson a lot and got the ball in Dawson's hands as much as they could. He's a big point scorer and has the potential to go really, really big this year, so I want to see whether that continues. And I'm interested in the rookie, Michael Laney, father-son. There's a bit bit of rave about him. He's been named on the bench this week, so I want to see how he goes about it and whether he'll be there for round one. Yeah, strangely, not as the actual game spectacle, but I think from a super coach perspective, the West Coast Adelaide game will be the one I'm watching the most. There's a lot of players there. I want to see how that Hewitt goes again. I want to see how – I like the Dawson call. I want to see where he's at. I'm still possibly tossing up between a Tom mm-hmm. Stewart or a Dawson to move into that D2 for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one also being Dom Sheed. I want to see how he goes. He's another sneaky that comes into that discussion of Sheed, Warple, Hopper, Bruin, Callahan, uh, Callahan kind of comments of is there someone there that you take a little bit of a risk on? So definitely a few to watch and see exactly what kind of roles they're playing. So Before beautiful. we move on. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, Francis, who's moved from Essendon to Sydney, we have received some questions about what his role is going to be at Sydney and will he actually play given that Blakely's had the glandular fever issues? Blakely's back. So mm. put a line through Francis. He was no good at Essendon. He's not going to be any good for your Supercoach side this year. He, he's just picked up. He's a, he's a good pickup that if they get injuries, somebody he's, can he's come dead. in knows how to take a grab. Yeah, yeah no, nah, spot on. And I think the other one is I like your Mick Andrews call. I think it's just he looks like he could get a start. He may take that. He may take Tickle's spot now as that R3 for me <laughs> and to get a bit of cash while I put that Madden in as my loophole on the bench. So, guys, we will recap these games we will recap all the players we will lead into round one i guarantee you we will bring the information so that you know exactly who you're going to be picking in that in that round one position we'll give you all the options and all the reasons why i'm loving that herbie starting to push back on us because Dell and i are starting to think a little bit too similar so we need herbie in here to to mix it up and tell us completely what not to do but uh <laughs> i joke he didn't quite get that one he didn't pick up on that one quickly but boys Thank you so much. What uh, what was meant to be a 20, 25-minute episode has turned into an hour of, oh, I think, great chat. I really love the Golden Call. He's somebody that I want to watch massively. So mm-hmm. before I completely sign out, um, give you one chance for one final word or anything that you guys want to finish on. We're that far over time anyway. It doesn't matter. Herbie, any final words, mate? No final words for me. I'm all good. Beautiful. Delhi. Uh, with the ANZPL guys, grand final coming up early next week. Uh, good luck to the people involved and for anyone that wants to get themselves involved. 
NA PlayStation 5 Basketball Online League. Please email or message the guys on Twitter at, at ANZPL2K and register your interest from there. I will 100% be back for NBA 2K24. But right now, my <laughs> full attention is here and I'm loving this and I'm enjoying it so much. Um, plus, I need some better internet anyway if I'm going to keep up with these absolute ballers. Or maybe I don't because then I can just blame it on any glitch that I possibly have on how bad I am. But, boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've loved the banter. I've loved the chat. I can't wait as we get closer to round one. I'm losing sleep every day because I'm that excited. For everybody listening at home, thank you. Click subscribe. Don't miss an episode. It's going to be an absolute belter between now and round one, and this content is only going to get better and better and better. We look forward to all the chats on social media. We look forward to all your questions. We will answer them, send them through. This has been the Molten Fantasy Sports Podcast. Peace out. See ya.